Bristol, how's it going, familia? Man, I love, listen, you guys have some good coffee here. If you have not had it, if you need a little pick-me-up, uh, we got coffee out in the lobby, but also the Lord is in this place. I'm not just saying that. We're not just singing about that because it's church. The presence of God is really here. And the problem isn't his presence. The problem is our perception. And so uh, I want to set the tone today of, of what God wants to do. Uh, and I, I, I just want to speak this and say that in the presence of God, there is great power to get us through all of our problems. And so I want to talk on that today. But first of all, I want to say what an honor it is to be here. Uh, my name is Eric Gamero again, uh, pastor of the local church. It's, you know, some of you are like, oh, so you're the local church. Okay, it's like First Baptist. We're the first ones here. Listen, we just simply want to be a local church that loves and serves our local community, much like you guys are doing here in this place. And so give yourselves a hand. Uh, this, this church is is making a kingdom difference right here in Parkland. Your pastors, oh my goodness, I love your pastors. They have a vision for this city. They have a heart for people. And by the way, next week, Pastor TJ's coming back. Who's excited? So listen, if, if you're visiting here today, don't judge. Don't judge this church based on what you hear from this guy, okay? Next week, I encourage you to come back next week. Pastor TJ's gonna bring a word. It's gonna be exciting. But what an honor it is to fill in, in, in his very large shoes today. I, I have a lot to, uh, to, to fill in because, man, God is doing something amazing at this church. Well, welcome again. My name is Eric Gamero, and some of you are like, Gamero? doesn't really make sense. Your face doesn't look like a Gamero. And so let me just be honest and say, yes, I'm Asian, okay? Sort of. Uh, mi padre es cubano, mi madre es coreano, which I think means my dad is Cuban and my mom is Korean and Spanish. I'm not sure because I don't speak Spanish very well. If I'm honest, yo soy un gringo, okay? Uh, hopefully I speak English well, but we'll see today. And don't even ask me to speak Korean because I, I don't know how to speak it. I, I'm, I'm a fake Asian. I'm, I'm as Asian as Panda Express, okay? If you think that's real Asian food, there's a whole cultural world waiting for you. Um, but I'm excited, and, and I want to jump right into this today. If you have your notes, everyone, wave your notes in the air. Wave them like you just don't care. Okay. Hey, listen, I encourage you to take notes because the reality is uh, I don't even remember what I talk about. And so if I don't remember what I talk about, you're not going to remember what, what God wants to speak to you unless you write some things down. So today I want to speak from a place titled Presence, Power, and Problems. Presence, Power, and Problems. And let me tell you about the presence of God. His presence is here today. And as God's people, one of the promises that we hold on to is that one day we will be in his presence forever, in his home, in his kingdom called heaven, in a place where there's no more fear, where there's no more sickness, where there's no more shame, where there's no more hurt. I can't wait to be in his presence forever in heaven. Amen? Anyone waiting and looking forward to that day? I can't wait to get there, but the, the reality is I have to wait. And we have to wait. And while we are waiting and walking this journey called life, waiting for heaven, sometimes our waiting feels like hell, right? We, we have issues. We have hurts. We have pains. We have hang-ups that we go through. And sometimes we forget that the presence of God is with us always. 
So what I want us to understand today is God, he's not simply waiting for us to get to heaven. He's not just waiting in heaven until we get there. He's with us every step of the way. Turn your Bible to Mark chapter 4. We're going to be reading from verse 35 and on. Uh, it, it's a powerful reminder of the presence of God and the problems we face, but, but more importantly, the power and the peace that comes with his presence. Here's what it says in Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35. It says, On that day when evening had come, Jesus told his disciples, he said, Let's cross over to the other side of the lake. Put a little mark there in your Bibles. That's important. Let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat. And other boats were with him. And then a fierce windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat, so the boat was already being swamped. But he, Jesus, he was in the stern, I love this, sleeping on a cushion. So they woke him up. Jesus, Master, don't you care that we are going to die? Wake up, we're going to die. Jesus is sleeping. Jesus is at peace. Jesus is at rest. But the disciples are freaking out. Now, we have to keep in mind that, that the majority of them for an occupation were what? Fishermen, okay? They, they had probably endured dozens, if not hundreds of storms similar to this one, but yet in this storm, they are freaked out. Now, I don't know how many of you have been deep sea fishing. Anyone by show of hands, let me see, have been deep sea fishing Okay, quite, wow, quite a few of you. Coastal church, it makes sense. You know, you're on the coast and you go fishing. Uh, a few months ago, I went deep sea fishing for the very first time. And on my first time deep sea fishing, I caught a swordfish. Here's a picture of it. Don't just say wow, clap it up. That's awesome. You haven't caught a swordfish, I bet. It was my first time deep sea fishing. My friend invited me, and he'd been chasing after a swordfish for many months. And here I go on my very first time, and I catch a swordfish because I'm awesome. Amen. Don't say amen to that. Because here's the reality. I, I really didn't catch a swordfish. Here's the real picture. He snagged the swordfish. I snapped a selfie. I, I claimed that I caught a swordfish, but I really didn't. And I don't have any problem claiming that because here's why. Because... I am not a fisherman. I'm not a, an experienced fisherman by any stretch of the imagination. And how I knew this was when I got on the boat, it was him, my friend, and, and a captain, another sport fisherman. I got on the boat, and, and, and they're all just walking around normal when we're, on, when we're on the seas. And, hey, take that down and cut this and, and rig this up and get ready to go for this. And, and they're walking around like it's normal, like, you know, it's just a walk in the park. And, and I'm, like, I'm like a toddler trying to find my sea legs. Like, oh, you know, you ever seen a baby try to walk? It's like, oh, oh. And then. They finally, and yeah, 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 oh, no, I'm going to fall. And, and I was just walking around like a drunk mess, you know, like I didn't know how to walk. It, it showed me I'm not a fisherman. And then on top of that, when we're finally trolling, I'm sitting and I'm having a conversation with my friend. And he wore sunglasses, which another reason why I'm not a fisherman. I didn't bring sunglasses. Why wouldn't you bring sunglasses out in the ocean where the, the, the sun is reflecting off the water? All it does is blind you. And so I'm, I'm sitting, I'm talking to my friend, and I'm looking in the glasses, and he's talking to me. And I see myself doing this and the reflection. It's like I'm doing some sort of Brady Bunch dance. I think I'll go for a walkout. So I'm like, why am I swaying back and forth? So I decided I'm just, I'm just going to tough it up and I'm just going to do my best to, to stay as still as I can. And well, because I, I'm not a fisherman, let's just say I got sick. 
I got sick. And no one else was sick. The seas weren't terrible. Everyone else were just going about their business. If they were all freaking out, if they were all throwing up, I would know, okay, this is something significant here. But they were calm. And so this goes to show the severity of the storm that these disciples were facing. They are in a storm. They have been in several storms before. But here they are in a storm, and they're worried that they're going to die. But they didn't have to. They didn't have to fear. They didn't have to worry. Why? We go back to verse 35. On that day when evening had come, Jesus told them, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. Jesus said, let's go to the other side of the lake. Jesus told them their destination. Say destination. destination. Jesus told them where they were headed. Now listen, Jesus didn't say, let's all go to the middle of the lake and die. Who's with me? All right, let's, let's all get swallowed up by a massive alligator. Anybody? No, 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 he didn't say that. And the inverse, he didn't say, hey, let's go out and let's have a pleasurable trip out on the seas. We'll play some shuffleboard. We'll catch some sailfish. We'll go scuba diving. Let's all have a fun trip. No, he didn't say that either. But there was no doubt about the destination. Let's go to the other side. Now, we have to believe that Jesus knew a storm was coming, right? Jesus is God in the flesh. He's the creator walking on the earth. He had to have known that the storm was coming. And so the lesson for us today is that this is preparation. He wanted to prepare. He wanted to stretch. He wanted to train his disciples. And he wanted to train us here at Coastal in 2019 as well. See, the lesson is storms are going to come our way. We can't always know when they're going to come, but they will. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Are you aware of that? If you've never experienced a difficult season, a storm in your life, get ready. It's a part of life. In fact, it's a promise. Jesus says it this way in John 16, verse 33. Jesus said to his disciples and to us today, he says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace because in the world, what? You will have tribulation. You will have tribulation. You will have difficulties. You will go through seasons of stormy weather. High five the person next to you. Tell them storms are going to hit us. Come on, 9 o'clock. High five the other person. Say, difficulty is coming. Like, this is so weird. This guy a masochist. Why is he telling us to high five over difficulty in our life? Because it's a promise. Jesus said, listen, you're going to go through this life, and you're not going to go through it unscathed. You're going to go through difficulty. You're going to go through a process of me stretching you. You're going to go through seasons of stormy weather and, and seemingly darkness surrounding you. But the greater promise is this. Are you ready? We don't have to go through these storms alone. His presence is with us every step of the way. And where God's presence is, there is power. And where God's presence is, there's peace. We don't have to go through the storm alone. So let's take it back a few verses. Verse uh, 31 of John chapter 16. 
Jesus answered them, do you now believe? See, Jesus is trying to explain to them, life is going to be difficult. Life is, is going to come with its share of difficulty. And he begins to explain all these things that are going to happen. And he asks his disciples, do you now believe? See, if you recall, Jesus spent a lot of his ministry teaching people and teaching his friends using parables, telling stories, giving examples. But now he's at the end of his ministry, and he's just going to make it clear and cut and dry with them. And he tells them, listen, my father is up in heaven. God is my father, and I'm soon going to meet him. I am going to be with him, and I'm not going to be with you anymore. Do, do, you, do you believe? And they said, yes, we now believe. Now you believe? Yeah, you're, you're speaking in clear terms. You're making it just real simple for us. And so now we believe. So, so it wasn't the miracles that made you believe that I'm the son of God. It wasn't raising people from the dead. It wasn't multiplying bread and fishes and you have an all-you-can-eat buffet for the cost of like literally nothing. Now you believe not the demons being cast out, not the sick being healed. Now you believe, he says in, in verse 21. Jesus answered him, do you now believe? Yeah, yeah we, we, we now believe. You're talking to us plain and clearly. Okay, so now you know who you are. Now you know who I am. I want to stretch you. I want to grow you. Indeed, the hour is coming. Yes, and it's now come that you will be scattered, each to his own, and you will leave me alone. You, you believe I'm the Son of God, I'm telling you. Some storms are going to hit, and you're going to leave me alone. And yet, I am not alone. Why? Because the Father is with me. Jesus took security. Jesus took stability in the presence of God with him. I am not alone because the Father is with me. Then in verse 33 again, he says, I've said these things to you. I've told all these things to you plainly and clearly that in me you may have peace. Some of us we're looking for peace. Maybe you've come today because you feel, I don't know where else to go. My life is shaky. My life is stormy, and I just need peace. Can I tell you, you're in the perfect place today? I've told you these things, that in me, you will have peace and rest. And in the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Do you know what that means? Spoiler, in case you've never read this, I'm going to spoil this book for you. Ready? Jesus wins. Amen. Jesus always wins. And so what does that mean for us who are in Jesus? It means that we're on a winning team. I know it's hard to say that in South Florida, okay? We're praying for our teams. We're praying for the Heat. We're praying for the Dolphins. We can't always say that our home team is a winning team. But in Jesus, we are more than conquerors in every situation. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. In Jesus, we are always on the winning team. So we don't have to worry. With God by our side, his presence with us, we don't have to worry. So every person, we need to understand this. Every person will face trials, will face storms in their life. And so we have a few options. We can either worry about them, 
We can freak out about them. We can let our life be turmoil because of the problems that we know are going to come our way. Or we can prepare for them. Practically, how do we prepare for storms in this life? We don't know when they're going to come, but they will come. How do we prepare practically? Because I want to make this real take-homeable. I want to make this real practical. I don't just want it to be spiritual, some things that we're trying to grasp, trying to grab a hold of. Practically, how do we, how do we prepare for storms in our life? Jesus, he gives us more than a hint in, in the most powerful, the most popular message ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. Found in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus tells us how we can practically prepare. He says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and what puts them into practice everyone who hears my words who 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 reads this book who comes to coastal and hears a message who listens to podcasts who who allows the word of god to come into them but then does something about them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock do you understand that it's not simply hearing the word it's hearing and doing god's word Wise people. Lord, you, you said that I need to forgive my enemies. Oh, I don't know that I want to do that. No, no. Who, who puts it into practice? I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but I forgive them. They're wise. Lord, you told me to trust you with my resources. You've given it to me. Okay, I'm going to take a step of faith and I'm going to trust you. That's a wise person. Lord, you, you have created me with purpose and intention, and you don't just want me to be all to myself. You want me to be part of your team, your winning team, and the way that I serve you is by serving other people. I don't have the time. I don't have the skill set, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to get plugged in. That's a wise person. And listen what happens to the wise person. It's like a wise person who built his house on the rock, and the rain came down, and the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation. On the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. I heard what Pastor TJ said, but I'm just not going to do that. Uh, I got convicted of what your words spoke to me, but you know what? I'm going to put this to the side for later. That person is unwise. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. It's a foolish person. It's an unwise person. What you need to see, though, is that the storm hit both people. The same difficulty, the same situation in this experience, in this process, in this journey called life hit both people. So again, Christian, follower of Christ, child of, of, of God, you need to understand that, that difficulty, it's part of this process. It's, got, it's how God perfects us. It's how God stretches us. We will all face problems, but we don't ever have to go through them alone. This is the hope that we have. This is why relationship with Jesus is so important. Not simply re religion toward him, not simply coming to church, but actually being in a relationship with Jesus. Because if you try to build your life, if you try to build your foundation on anything else, it is shifting sand. It will not support you. It will not last. Your property will not last. Your popularity, let me tell you, one day you're in, one day you're out. 
The prestige, your education, your securities, all of it is a shifting sand. But, but if we can learn to build our life on who Jesus is and what he says about us, that's storm protection. You want storm protection in your life? You gotta know his word. You gotta hide it in your heart. You gotta hear it and hide it and then put it into practice. You want safety from difficulty? You want a new perspective and not simply saying, would you meet me here again? But Lord, you are here with me and I know that. And so I get to spend this time with you. Let your word strengthen me. Let your spirit give me power so I can get through my difficulty, so I can get through my problems. It happens with his word. This is how we practically prepare when we come and when we worship together and when we hear God's word and we study and we put it in to practice into our lives. That's building our house. That's building a foundation on a solid rock. Storms are going to hit us. It happens to everyone. But how we can have security and stability and storm protection is by hearing and doing God's word. See, it's not simply information. It's not simply the, the, the greatest literary masterpiece known to mankind. It's not simply the number one best-selling book ever. This is supernatural. This is spirit. This is life. You may not fully understand what you're reading, but supernaturally, God gives you strength as you spend time in it. Supernaturally, God encourages you and builds you and transforms you from the inside out. He gives you a new identity. He gives you a new perspective. He changes the way that you think and the way that you live your life when you build your life upon the solid rock that is Jesus. That's how we practically prepare. So his, his disciples, they're in one of these storms, a literal storm in their life. And Jesus tells them the destination. What does that mean? It means God is literally going to be with us to the other side of our adversity. That he's not going to leave us. If he says, here's where I want you to go, God is going to be with you wherever you go. But, but can I say this as well? Because I know some of us, Maybe you're going through something that is overwhelming. Maybe you're going through something that feels like you just have no control, you have no power, it's beating you down. I don't say this lightly, but the reality is, no matter how difficult the storm is that we face, do you have confidence that we'll ultimately get to our destination? That everything in this world is just temporary, and one day we will be in a place where there's no more shame, where there's no more struggling, where there's peace and help and hope. I can be confident of where I'm going, even though I may not know how or when I'll get there. We can be confident of, of where we're going, even though we may not know all the details of how we're going to get there and what the trip is going to look like and the time frame that it's going to happen. We know our ultimate destination. And if we can begin to think and live this way, it helps us to manage our worries. If we can be confident that when God says, here's where I want you to go, we're going to get here that he's going to walk with us until we get there. And if we can just begin to know that, that he's following us, that he's with us, that he's carrying us, that he's strengthening us while we're walking on earth, it helps us to manage, helps us to control our worry until we get there. Let me make this even real 
practical, okay? That's spiritual. Let me make it practical. Do you, do you know the number one thing that, that we worry about in America is? Go ahead and shout out if you think you know what it is. Money, right? Dinero, cash, money. We worry more about money than anything else in this country. More than death. We're worried about how we're going to pay for our funeral, not when we're going to die. And money has literally become the American idol. We worship it. Because so much of what we do is tied into the money that we have or we don't have. And so we worry. How can I send my kid to this school? Do I have enough to pay the bills? Can I provide for my family? When will I be able to purchase a home? When will I be able to get married? Will I ever be ready? Will I ever make enough money? And so we worry so much about money. And the inverse is true as well. For those of you who do have a lot of money, like the, the great theologian Biggie Smalls used to say, mo money, mo problems. If we don't know how to steward well what God has entrusted us with, that, that blessing, that gift called resources now becomes a source of our stress, a source of our sorrow. And we have more money. We have more money to do with it, but we don't know what to do with it. And we don't know, do people like me because of my money? And now we have more money, and with more money comes more problems. And with more problems, we worry more, and it kills us. Can I tell you that the very antidote to this real problem of resources and finances is the same antidote for life's biggest question, for life's biggest challenge, death. And the antidote and the answer and the solution is the presence of God. Hebrews 13.5, listen to this. Okay, the writer says, let your conduct be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. The writer, he's talking about stuff. He's saying, be content with the stuff that you have, okay, and, and don't covet the stuff that other people have. He's literally talking about bills and resources and things that we have in our house. And for those of us who, who are, are Bible-believing Christians, faith forward, and, and we want to believe the best, and we, we want to speak the best in our lives, a lot of us, we would think that if we follow this logical train of, of thinking that, you know, if we're, if we're comfortable with what we have and we're content with what God has given us and we don't covet what other people have, that what? That God will give us what we need. That God will provide everything and he will but this passage doesn't say that listen to what it says let your conduct be without covetousness be content with such things that you have for he himself has said i'm gonna hook you up i'm i'm, I'm gonna give you more health wealth and stuff on your shelf i'm gonna i'm gonna bless you with a new boat and a new car and cool clothing no what does he say what does he say Again, we're talking about, can I pay my bills? Can I put food on my table? Will I have enough to give to my kids so they can smile on Christmas morning? And you're telling me the answer is, I will never leave you or forsake you? Yes. That's the answer. The presence of God is the answer to the problem. Here's the big idea I want us to get today. In God's presence, there is great power to get us through all of our problems. Let me say that again. In God's presence, the Lord is in this place. 
there's great power to get us through all, all of our problems. That's the answer. The presence of God, knowing him, leaning into him. Because where the presence of God is, there's peace. Where the presence of God is, there's purpose, there's power. There. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Now, maybe you're like me. Growing up, I used to read this, and I used to think it meant the same thing. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. It means I'll never leave you, or I'll never leave you. It's kind of like truly, truly, or for all the KJV people, verily, verily. God's just saying it for emphasis. No, but the word of God is more powerful than that. Amen? Those words don't mean the same thing. When he says, I will never leave you, he means I will never turn my back on you. When he says, I will never forsake you, he's saying, I will never walk away from you. So essentially, what Jesus is saying is, I will never give you up. I will never let you down. I will never turn around and desert you. I will never make you cry. I will never say goodbye. I will never tell a lie and hurt you. Jesus is saying, I'm never going to walk away. I'm never going to turn my back on you. I'm with you every step of the way. I'm with you in the journey. I know everything you're going through, and I'm not going to leave your side. I'm committed to you. Not only that, I know what's in your mind. I know what's in your heart. I know the thoughts that you're thinking. I know the doubts that you have. I know the sin that you're hiding. I know the shame that you feel, and I'm still not going to leave you. I'm committed to you. I'm going to walk with you every step of the journey. And in the presence of God, there's great power to get us through every single one of our problems because he is with us, because he doesn't leave us, because he doesn't turn our back on us, and he gives us his power, and he gives us his strength. We can get through every single difficulty. So let's go back to those disciples. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. And they're on this journey and the seas are roaring, and the wind is beating against him, and water is coming in, and they're freaking out. But Jesus is sleeping on a pillow. Now, I don't know if you've ever slept through a storm. I never have. I endured Hurricane Andrew. I lived near Homestead. Our house, our entire neighborhood was just decimated, and we were in the only room in our house that still had roof on it. It was a small little guest bathroom, five of us and a dog and a cat, and we're screaming for six hours. We're praying for our life. My dad, who didn't know Jesus, was like, God, save us. We're freaking out. How can you sleep in a storm? How could Jesus be resting and snoozing and be at peace during a violent storm that is freaking his followers out. You can only sleep in a storm when you know something. What did he know? If God is always with us, we'll always get through it. If God is always with us, we will always get through it. I love the way Greg Laurie puts it from Harvest. He says that we are safer in the middle of a storm with Jesus than anywhere else without him. Because in God's presence, there's great power to get us through all of our problems. What did Jesus know? The presence of God was with him. 
So he got up, verse 39 of Mark chapter 4 says. He rebuked the wind. He said to the sea, silence, be still. Some of our translations say, peace. I like the ESV. It says, silence. See, Jesus didn't have to yell. He didn't have to say, peace, be still. You're freaking out. I'm going to talk louder than you because I'm more powerful. No, silence. He woke up from his nap. What's going on? Oh, I'm with you. Don't worry. Silence. Be still. Some of us, we need to hear that from God today. The storms of our life, he can just bring peace and calm to them. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you fearful? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and said to one another, who is this that even the wind and the seas obeyed? This is not just for his disciples, this is for us. Some of us, we've been coming to church for some time now and we're still afraid. We've been walking with Jesus for some years now and we're still terrified of, of what the unknown holds for us. But he's with you through the unknown. Through the valleys of the shadow of death, you don't have to fear. He said, silence, peace, be still. And they're mesmerized by the truth that we already know, that all things must submit to the name of Jesus, that he is in control and he has power of every situation. So the last thing I want us to get is this. If you believe that Jesus is with you in the storm, and I pray that you believe that, and I pray that the Holy Spirit has helped reveal that to you in our time together. If you believe that Jesus is with you in the storm, you need to believe he has power over the storm. So here's what we want to do right now. With every eye closed, this is a holy moment. This is between you and God, not the people around you. If you're going through a storm in your life, if you're going through a difficulty, if you're visiting here today and you realize, man, that the peace that I need, the, the presence that I need is, is not my stuff. I need God. I, I need his love. If you're here today and, and you're, you're overwhelmed and you don't know what to do, can I tell you that the answer is the presence of God? We want to pray for you. We want to pray for you as a church family. So if, if either one of those, those situations described you, you're overwhelmed or you need to surrender today. There's difficulty. Just in a, a show of faith, would you just stretch out your hands right now? Say, I need prayer. Would you pray for me? Man, I see your hands all across this room. And that simple act of faith of just lifting your hand from a resting position up in surrender, that's all the faith that you need for God to do the impossible. Let me pray for us right now. Father, thank you that your presence is here and that in your presence there's great power. Let us be aware of your presence. Let us surrender to your power. Lord, lift every burden. Calm every storm. Stop every flood. Restore our families. Give us hope and peace and rest again in this place to get us through all of our problems. Just hear the voice of God speaking peace over your life right now. 
speaking rest. You may not know how you're going to get through it. You may not know when you'll see the other side. But he's saying, I'm with you. Because I love you. And I will never turn my back. And I will never walk away from you. And because of that, we can have peace. Thank you for peace. In Jesus' name we pray.